Good morning. Glad you're here. I, I, I see that you enjoy cold weather. It's cold out there, isn't it? You know, we had a lot of snowbirds in the first service, and I said, it's cold out there, and they were like, nah, that's not cold. You don't know what cold is. But to me, it's cold. But, you know, I grew up in Tennessee, way up north in Tennessee, and I kind of like cold weather in the wintertime. You know, it's just kind of a little change of seasons and so forth. And, and then, you know, occasionally it would snow. And the perfect way for it to snow is for you to be at home and have plenty of groceries and have a fire in the fireplace and just let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. They ought to make a song about that. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, but you don't see the snow here. But you could go to the beach and look at the sand. It looks like snow. And it's cold enough. It feels, feels like it, doesn't it? So anyway, look at the person next to you and say, I am so impressed that you came today. Tell them that right now. That's right. Now today we're going to talk about life hacks. Life hacks. Are you familiar with the term life hacks? How many of you know about that? You've heard of that before. How many of you have never heard of that? Okay, look, I am going to be 64 years old next month. I have never heard of the term life hacks. I mean, apparently, I don't get out very much, okay? So I didn't know anything about it. Let me tell you the definition for it. It's a simple, clever tip or technique for accomplishing some familiar task more easily and efficiently, and it usually increases productivity and efficiency in all walks of life. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about five life hacks that are given to Christians straight from the Bible. And these are special for us. But if you're not a Christian, you may play along as well, okay? Because we'd like for you to participate too. In fact, if you come over the next few weeks and you hear some of this stuff and you think it's helpful to you, then maybe you'll continue to try it at home. And it's okay. You don't have to be a professional to try it at home. It can make all the difference. Now, if you're not, uh, if you are new to Christianity or to the Bible, it tells you that, you know, you are, need to be in a relationship with God. And not everybody is in a relationship with God. Now, you're familiar with the terms the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? And that's a covenant relationship. The word testament is a covenant or a contract that God made with his people. In the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments came to the children of God, the children of Israel. Those were the ones who had a contractual relationship with God. And in the New Testament, it was written to people who have a relationship through Jesus Christ with God. Now, did you know that the Ten Commandments weren't given to everybody? Well, I got your attention there, didn't I? Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. They weren't given to everybody. The Ten Commandments were given to the nation of Israel who had a father-son covenant relationship with God. And God delivered the nation of Israel out of bondage in Egypt. And then he fed them and he housed them and he clothed them and he led them and he protected them, didn't he? And after months of God giving, he said, now here are some things I'd like for you to implement into your life. And what did they say? Well, of course we will. You've been so good to us. We'll be glad to do that in our lives. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about these five life hacks for Christians because we already have a relationship with God through Jesus. Now, those who are Christians, those of us who are Christians, have no right to judge other people who are not Christians by the scriptures, okay, and what it teaches. 
Another way I like to say that is, we who are Christians can't expect non-Christians to live and act like Christians. They don't know how. They don't, they don't have that experience. They don't know what to do. And so we need to cut them some slack because we need to care about them and try to reach them and love them into the kingdom. Both the Old and New Testament scriptures were given to people who already had a relationship with God. In the case of the New Testament, it was that of the teachings and the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to follow. So for the next few weeks, we're going to look at that. Now to get us started, I want to talk about the importance and significance of application. Because application makes all the difference, okay? And I want to tell you, I mentioned this last Sunday that Laura, my wife, decided she needed to lose weight. And so she went on this new plan to lose weight, and she's been on it now for, for several weeks, and she's lost 30 pounds. Yay, right? Yeah, that's good. And then she decided that I needed to be on that plan, okay? And so I was seven weeks behind her in the plan because she's been doing it 14. I've just been doing it seven, and I've lost some weight too. Yay. Okay, great. So, But here's the deal. We have this book. That we're supposed to read it's our life book and so it's a part of the whole plan of what we're doing and we have to apply what we read in the book now what does that sound like i know about another life book another life application book how many of you are familiar with this book okay i want to thank both of you who do that yeah because it's the bible isn't it the bible and so we read the bible and, and we're just supposed to read it right we don't do anything with it right we read it, we learn about it, we might even memorize it, but we don't really apply it or anything like that, do we? Yeah, we're supposed to apply. That's the whole purpose of doing all that is so that we can apply it to our lives. Now, there are two people who really camped out on this in the Bible. The first was Jesus, and the other was his brother, James. And I, I want to pause right there for just a minute. i got to talk about this. Can you imagine being the brother of Jesus? Can you imagine what that was like? I mean, you remember the old Smothers Brothers show where one of them said to the other, Mom always liked you best? Can you imagine what it's like to say, I'm the Son of God and you're not, so there, right? I mean, and yet, what does James do? He follows Jesus. Now, let me tell you, he had to have some kind of impact to prove, because what's he going to say? I mean, what does your brother have to do to convince you that he's the Son of God, really? right? And so there you go. But Jesus has a lot to say, and James has a lot to say about the significance of application. In fact, most of this is in James, the first chapter. And he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. And then what does he say? Do what it says. Let's say that together. Do what it says. See, it's all about applying what we learn, putting it into action. Now, this was written over 2,000 years ago, but it's relevant today, isn't it? Because we, we've got God's Word. We've got His love letter. We've got His promise. And what He wants us to do is to take it and apply it to our lives and not just be merely a listener because if we just listen, we're deceiving ourselves. We think sometimes, I think, that probably in, in the congregation, in the church, in the body of Christ, sometimes we begin to think, well, I want to get credit for listening to the Word. I come to church. I listen to the Word. I check off the box. I ought to get some credit for that, right? And, and maybe I see myself as a little bit more spiritual and a little bit more faithful. And James says, 
Hey, you've deceived yourself if that's all you do because you've got to apply it to your lives. It has no value whatsoever if you're just going to kind of go and, and be there. That doesn't mean anything. Now, if you're not a Christian or a, quote, religious person, you've got to be loving this because here's what folks outside the church are thinking. You know what? I'm so sick and tired of those Christian people, those church people, thinking that they're better than me. They're self-deceived. They're not. I know a lot of those folks. They're not any better than I am. They don't talk any better. They don't work any harder. They don't study any longer. They're just like me. And so why do they think they're so great? And because of that, we realize, or maybe we don't realize, that we're not any better than anyone else. And so what we have to see is, that just because we listen, that's not enough. We need to apply. They didn't do anything with it. If you don't apply it, it doesn't matter. Now, you Christians, you church people, they think, you're so self-deceived. And James says this. He says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Now, if I spent my time doing what it says, that would just mess up everything, wouldn't it? I mean, if I had to do what it said, it would change everything in my life. I'd have to actually apply what it says there. I just want to get credit for hearing it, and I want to feel bad about not doing what I know I need to do, and that's good enough, right? I can just check it off. And James is going to tell us that believing is important, but application is everything. And then he goes on with this great illustration. And it comes to us, again, from James, the first chapter. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at the, his face in the mirror and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. What's he talking about there? He says, don't worry so much about just your appearance. In other words, what you look like in the mirror. Maybe you get cleaned up in the morning. Maybe you put on makeup, shave your face, do whatever you're going to do, comb your hair, you know, maybe you shower and shampoo and all that stuff. Shower, shampoo, and sure do need to, right? Because you want to look nice. You even use mouthwash and everything. That's all great. That's great. But then it goes on and it says, but you know, the, the mirror of our heart, that's what's really important. It's not just what's on the outside, but it's what's internal that's important. And so the scripture teaches that things about money and morality and relationships and marriage and how we treat our kids and how we honor our parents and how we handle ourselves at work and our integrity, all of those things come together to be important. And if you're committed to just fixing what you see in the mirror every day, but not dealing with the mirror of your heart, then you're missing the point. You've deceived yourself. That's what he's really talking about. It's like a guy who gets up in the morning and says, I need to shave, but he doesn't shave. And he goes to work, and folks at work say, hey, did you shave this morning? And the guy says, no, I didn't shave. I know I need to shave. Somebody brought it up and mentioned it to me, but I just didn't do it. And then you go to your small group that night, and they say, hey, did you shave this morning? And you say, no, but you know, I knew I needed to, and people brought it up to me at work, and I've been reminded of it all day, and I know I need to do that, but I haven't done it. So I'll tell you what. A small group tonight, here's what I want you to do. I want everybody here to pray for me that I'll shave, okay? I want to be, on, I want to be a prayer request. I want to be on the list, and I want you to pray for me. And your, your small group's looking at you, and they're saying, 
Why don't you just shave? And you're saying, well, no, I don't want to actually do anything. I just want to be a prayer request, right? Because I want people to pray for me. And that doesn't do any good at all. Now, some of us here may have been carrying around some old habits, some overindulgences, some lack of discipline for years. And it's time to say, and we say this, yeah, I really need to work on that. And yet, we, and that, that kind of makes us feel closer to God because we're honest, but then we don't take the next step and do anything about it because application is everything. So in James, it says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So you see, it, it just spells it out. I love the book of James because it's so practical, so real, so personal, something you can apply to your life, right? Now, when you apply that scripture, it makes a difference. And here's the deal. A lot of times when we're new to scripture, we're new to the faith, we're new to God, we begin to think that if I try to do the things that scripture tells us, that then what's going to happen is that, that I have to give up something and I'm losing my freedom. Oh, I want to do what I want to do, right? And that's what we begin to think. When I was a young man, I was taught that for every dollar I made, I was to give 10 cents to God, and I was to give 10 cents to savings, and I could live on the other 80 cents, and that was a piece of cake, wasn't it? Until I started making hundreds of dollars, and then I had to give hundreds of dollars to God and hundreds of dollars to savings and live on the balance, and you know, it could begin to feel like to me maybe that, that I, somebody else was in control and they were taking my money, but I did it anyway because I believe in the value of Scripture. And in the early years, it didn't necessarily feel like freedom. But here's the thing. Over the years, it has become financial freedom. In fact, for those of you who have a bunch of debt and no margin in your budget right now, what happened? You decided, I'm going to do what I want to do with my resources. I'm not going to let anybody else tell me what to do. And what happened was that it didn't feel like freedom at all. It didn't result in freedom. In fact, what's happened is just the opposite. Now, financially, you find yourself in bondage. Sometimes in life, the ultimate freedom comes from saying yes to God and saying no to ourselves. I was also taught when I was growing up that our bodies are a temple of God, right? And the scripture says to honor our bodies because we're accountable to God. It makes a difference what we put in them and what we do with them. And it may not feel like freedom when I'm told to do that. But you know, if you talk to people today, they go back and they look in their 20s and they say, you know, I have some regrets about some of the things I did when I was in my 20s and I wish I had taken this whole concept more seriously then because I've found that those things have been confirmed in my life today because the word of God is freedom giving. But you have to trust him. It's not just enough to believe, and it's not just enough to listen, but you really have to apply what you learn. You know what else I was taught? I was taught that when somebody was ugly to me that I needed to forgive them. And forgiveness is not intuitive. It's not something that happens naturally. What we want to do is make that person who hurt us get down on their knees, 
confess their sins before all of our friends and tell them they were wrong, right? And let everybody know. And then we might think about forgiving them. And God says, no, you don't do that. You go ahead and, and forgive them. You don't wait for that. And who wants to be a slave to anger? I mean, there's no freedom in that, is there? The freedom is found in the non-intuitive exercise of forgiveness. And James is exactly right. What we learn is this. When we experience application is when we experience liberty. That's when it really happens for us. James is right. And even though we don't really see it maybe initially, we do experience it ultimately if we apply it. Then he goes on in the same chapter and says, but whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So application makes all the difference. Say that with me. Application makes all the difference, right? And at the end of Jesus' most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he makes this statement, and this is in Matthew 7. He says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Now, what would you think? Would it be harder to build your house on the rock than it would be to build your house on the sand? Yes, it would. I can tell you. You know, the first time when I moved down here from Tennessee and I moved to Florida, we had this uh, plumbing problem with the house we were living in, and they called this guy to come fix it. And he said, well, what's happened is that this old copper tubing is leaking, and so I've got to dig down and go under the slab and find this and replace it. And I'm going, dig down? Going to the, how, how long, is this going to take like a week to do this? And he dug a hole and got in it in just a few minutes. And I wasn't used to that. You know, when you start to dig up in Tennessee, you hit a rock and you're done. Okay, that's I'm through with that. That hurt and I'm not going to try that. In. Here, you got sand. You can just dig down. So it's real easy to build something on the sand. But when you, you're called to forgive, now that sounds like building your house on the rock, doesn't it? And when you're called to submit to authority, that's kind of more like building, that's kind of like uh, building your house on the rock. And, and when you obey your parents, that's like building your house on the rock. And when you decide not to cheat, that's like building your house on the rock. And Jesus said, I know it's hard at the outset, but, but this is like building your house on the rock. And maybe if you'll apply that, then in the end, you'll experience freedom and reward. That's like the wise man who built his house on the rock in Matthew 7. And it says, The rain came down, and the streams rose, and the winds blew, and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. So the, for the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about application. And if you're a Christian, then I want you to try to do this, and I want you to get some people around you to help you do this. And if you're not a Christian... I want to encourage you to play along. In fact, it's my hidden agenda that I hope you will play along. And at the end of that time, you'll say, you know what? I want to know more. And you'll keep coming back. And one day, when we're in here talking about Jesus and the cross and how he died for your sins, that you'll light up inside and say, you know what? I believe that now. And here's what I'm going to pray for you and me, that we will hold these applications up in front of us and stare at them that we will stare at them until we've made the adjustments necessary to see alignment in our lives with what God wants us to have.
And my prayer is that every single morning when we go and look in the mirror during this series, that we will look at ourselves and say, now that's great, but now I want to apply what I'm learning and not just take care of myself on the outside, but spiritually on the inside too. Am I making the same effort in these areas of my life where God would have me make adjustments as I am in my outward appearance? Because that becomes the driving force in our lives. And James, the brother of Jesus, said if that happens, then he says, this is a promise. You will be blessed in what you do. Because at the end of the day, application makes all the difference. That's right. Amen. Lord, we just thank you that you give us your word. Not only can we read it, can we learn it, can we share it, but Lord, we need to apply it. And when we do, here's what happens. It, it not only affects us, Lord, we know that, but it affects other people who watch us. There are people who are watching us because we're Christians, and they want to see if we're real, if we're genuine, if they can trust us. And Lord, I pray that you might use us, even with our faults and failures. You know, Lord, you teach us that when we're weak, you are strong, and we're just human. But you know, I think that everybody's just human. And sometimes when people see us struggle and see us continue to try to be faithful to you through your help and your blessing, that maybe they say, well, if they could do it, with God's help, maybe I can do it. And so today, Lord, I pray that with your help, all things are possible with you. With your spirit living inside of us, convicting us, leading us, drawing us, teaching us, helping us, I pray that other people might see Jesus in us, that they might be inspired and encouraged and drawn to you. You teach us if we'll draw close to you, you'll draw close to us. And we thank you for that, Lord. We don't take it for granted. We celebrate it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.